Holy cow, we are back, and dare I say it, better than ever. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to My Pastor Says, the show that is all about you and your questions about God, the Bible, life in general, or whatever I want to talk about. The I in question is Dave Atherton. I am your host. I'm the lead pastor at Aviator Church in Derby, Kansas, and I am so grateful that you are joining us today after a year and a half off. Man, it can't get any better than that, can it? With Father's Day coming up this week, fittingly today we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about fathers. So hope you are ready to enjoy the show, and we'll get started in just a second. Before we get diving into our topic today, which again will be fatherhood, uh, I do want to take a second to address... Uh, you know, the brief absence of the show, uh, given about a year and a half since our last episode. I think our last episode was dealing with uh, the big questions surrounding coronavirus at the very beginning of the virus itself. So uh, the reason for the long delay is ultimately because, and prepare yourselves emotionally because this may come as a shock to you, I am terrible at putting together podcasts. And what I mean by that is, like, you just hear my voice talking to you. The amount of setup and then editing and then post work that goes into making this thing work is surprisingly uh, difficult for somebody like me. Uh, There are many people in this world who zip right through it. I am not among them. But now here at the church, we have a little bit more help in the form of Uh, a new worship pastor in uh, Matt Atherton, but also Max Logan, our intern here, who is really gifted at this stuff. And so uh, the hope is that I can now just do the recording and then pass it off and they will make me sound good. Notice I didn't say they will make me sound smart because, you know, they're not miracle workers, uh, but (laughs) they can hopefully at least uh, make it sound professionally done. So again, I'm really grateful that you guys are here uh, joining. I'm excited to get back into the habit of recording. The goal is going to be to put out an episode every week. However, I will go ahead and tell you this summer we're traveling a lot. Uh, I, I get to speak at a bunch of camps for both youth and children that I really enjoyed doing during the summer. And so that may take away a little bit of my ability to get episodes out, but we're going to try to make this a weekly occurrence. Um, So with that said, just a reminder, since it's been so long, if you have a question about God, about the Bible, about life and how you're supposed to live it, or just some weird stuff that you've never gotten an answer to from anybody else, the goal of this podcast is that I will answer those questions for you. Uh, I am a seminary-trained pastor. I have uh, about 70% of my MDiv done. I've been preaching for years. Um, And if I don't know the answer to a question you submit, number one, I will do my best to find it. Number two, um, I will also periodically be joined by guests here on the show uh, who maybe have expertise as an area an expertise, excuse me, in an area that I don't have. So uh, anyways, please feel free to send any questions that you have, any concerns, any issues with Christianity in general, uh, send it to dave at aviatorchurch.com. Again, dave at aviatorchurch.com. So like I said, today we're actually going to be talking about Father's Day since it's coming up on Sunday. If you are listening to this before Sunday, this is your reminder to do something nice, go out and buy a tie or whatever it is you do for your dad. Uh, But Father's Day is coming up and we're getting ready to launch into this. And so I decided this would be a really good topic to start on. Now I can already hear the questions. Well, why didn't you start on Mother's Day, Dave? Well, here's the reason why. 
I wasn't ready yet. <laughs> and so uh, we didn't cover Mother's Day. So don't take this as a knock on Mother's Day at all. As a matter of fact, let me start out there. Let me explain to you what I believe the difference between mothers and fathers are. Uh, obviously, there are several differences. But here's kind of a, a broad, general difference that I think that I see. Moms make everything work. I can tell you in my house currently, uh, my wife and I, we have four children, age seven, four, three, and one, um, and nothing would work in our house if it weren't for my wife. She makes the schedules work. She she knows how to feed children, which I know seems like a thing that shouldn't be that difficult, but man, feeding children is more difficult than you would expect. Uh, they all have different tastes, and then they all have different temperaments and you know whatever, and so the patience with which she deals with things, the way that she organizes the household, the way that she always knows where everybody's shoes are, including my own, uh, I, I will never cease to be amazed. Literally three times a week, I'll be leaving the house and I will say, dear, do you know where my keys are? And I don't understand what black magic it is she uses to do this, but she always knows where my keys are. It's incredible. And they're never in the same place because I like to make it difficult on her. So moms absolutely are amazing and special and they make everything work. Let me tell you what I think about dads. I think dads, fathers, I think they are magic. I think dads are straight up magic. And what I mean by that is this. I I don't know exactly what it is that dads do and yet I can look at results of families that have dads and see there is something incredible. I will say, I think dads tend to get a worse uh, rep than moms do. Um, you know, typically the best case scenario for dads, as far as being portrayed in media, is going to be like the bumbling, dopey dad who doesn't know what's going on ever, uh, who fumbles around and basically, you know, it's amazing that he hasn't forgot to breathe on his own kind of thing. Uh, and that's usually kind of the nice portrayal of dads. Uh, you know, the worst you know, representation, I think, right now, uh, and, and I think this goes to a broader sense to men in general, is this idea of the toxic masculinity of fathers, um, you know, the aggressive, the angry, the harsh, the the abusive, and, and I think that, obviously, I think there are some dads who fit those um, characteristics. I think there's some men who fit those characteristics, uh, but I think, generally speaking, it gets applied way too broadly uh, than it should be. And so here's what I will say. I'd say dad is magical. The reason I say that, I pulled up a bunch of statistics before we jump into the Bible on, on the verse I'd like to talk about. Um, I pulled up a bunch of statistics when it comes to fatherhood, and I want you to listen to these because, again, most of the time, if you ask, like, what thing is it that dad does around the house that's amazing, you can list a couple. But, like, you don't think of these things um, as, as, as a thing to attribute to dad. And yet, uh, when we see dad in the house, these are some of the things that we see. So this is according to the Fatherhood Initiative. Uh, you can find them at fatherhood.gov, as well as the Department of Health and Human Services. Here are things that are true when dad is involved in the home. For children for whom dad is in the home, they have a, or excuse me, for whom dad is not in the home, they have, they are four times as likely to experience poverty as adults. Without a dad, teens are seven times more likely to get pregnant. They're more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect, which I think that one is interesting because again, we think of 
fathers, oftentimes as the perpetrators of abuse or neglect, what I think a lot of times when we talk about that idea of masculinity or toxic masculinity, the thing that we overlook is the fact that we also, as men, are driven to protect our clan and our family. And so a lot of abuse and neglect is actually averted because of dads. It's interesting that it's uh, more likely to face abuse and neglect without dad. Kids without a dad in the home are two times greater to risk uh, to the risk of infant mort- in oh my gosh excuse me of infant mortality. They're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. These kids are more likely to go to prison. They're two times as likely to suffer from obesity. They're more likely to commit violent crimes, and they're twice as likely to drop out of high school. Uh, kids from fatherless homes make up. Listen to these statistic statistics: sixty three percent of youth suicides. of homeless and runaway youth, 85% of behavioral disorders belong to those uh, who are growing up in fatherless homes, 71% of high school dropouts, 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions, that's like juvenile detention centers, and then 75% of adolescents in substance abuse centers. You see, I don't think that a lot of dads walk around and they teach their kids, you know, explicitly don't do drugs and don't do this and and here's how you avoid poverty and here's how you avoid teen pregnancy i don't know that a lot of dads are necessarily banging those drums all the time and yet their presence has dramatic impact in every single one of these areas according to the department of health and human services it says that boys are less likely to act out who have a father in the home and girls who have a father in the home grow up to be more confident in general they score higher on confidence scales you know these are things that again i I can look at what my wife does on a daily basis and i can say she makes everything work, right? That if if somehow I disappeared, I think the day-to-day functionality of our house would be way smoother than if she disappeared. Holy night, it would be a hot mess if my wife was gone, right? And yet, I look at it, and when you have homes where dad is involved, what we see is all of these things, poverty rates, pregnancy rates, drug abuse, uh, incarceration, uh, dropping out of high school, all of these things are dramatically impacted by dad's presence in the home. One thing that I thought that was interesting, again, according to the Department of Health and Human Services, there was a, an article there that talked about the fact that, that mothers, when they talk to their kids, will often, over, it says this, will often oversimplify their language to the child's level, whereas men will tell it like it is with no change in their vocabulary. This challenges kids to try to understand what they're being told, which can increase critical thinking skills and subsequently school and future work success. You know, it's it's interesting. I watch, you know, my wife and and we're homeschoolers. Uh, We're those weird people who are doing the homeschool thing. Um, There's a bunch of ladies who teach at our homeschool co-op. And I've always been amazed at their ability. One in particular is a, a gal named Leah, who is a fantastic teacher of kids and she is able to get down on their level and she's able to encourage and she's able to be so kind and and I don't know genuine with the kids um, but while also explaining and holding them you know to account and I've always been impressed with that and I think that's a really important skill and I think that that helps nurture kids into a place where they can learn and yet here we're seeing uh, you know according to the Department of Human uh, of Health and Human Services, that that the way men talk to kids is also beneficial, that it's more direct, it's more adult. They don't tend to change the way that they approach, you know, 
their kids any differently than the way that they approach adults in their life. And that kind of forces kids to also mature a little bit more and to be able uh, to to think through what the other party is wanting and, and kind of see that uh, critical thinking skill get bumped up. And so ultimately what I'll say is this. I think that there is the place for the... And, and by the way, I'm just going to say this right off the top. I'm going to paint with a broad brush on some things here. I think that there's a place for the typically more... Um, sensitive and supportive and emotionally capable mom. But I think that there's also a lot of need for a strong father, for a strong father presence in the home. Now, let me be clear on this. What I'm not saying, if you're joining us, and I promise I'm going to get to the Bible on this in just a second. What I'm not saying is if you're listening and you're a single mom that you can't raise awesome kids too. Uh, There are a lot of single mothers that I know who are raising awesome kids. What I will tell you is this, you have to work a lot harder. You do. You have to. And by the way, this shouldn't be breaking news. My wife is leaving town tomorrow for a video shoot. She she works at a job where they do uh, uh, video shoots for kids waiting foster care, trying to, to get kids adopted out of the system. And so she's going to leave and she's going to be gone literally all day tomorrow. And I have all four kids. I have four children under the age of eight. I have to get work done. I have a meeting that I have to get done. I have to get meals ready for all of them. And without the support of my wife, again, I can tell you this, I'm going to work harder tomorrow than I have all week. I can promise you. And so obviously if you're a single parent, it can certainly be done and hats off to you because you're, you're an animal is what you are. If you're listening to this and you're raising kids by yourself, you're an absolute beast. But what I will say again is you're going to have to find ways to make up for some areas uh, where you're not going to have the natural built-in support of having uh, the other parent at home. Uh, but I, I'm, I, I don't want to make you feel like you're any less than because you're not, nor are your kids any less than. But it's, again, you know this, you got a lot of work ahead of you. So anyways, what I guess I'm getting at is this. I want to take a second, as we often celebrate moms, I want to take a second to really celebrate fathers. I want to celebrate masculinity. I want to celebrate, uh, you know, the, in our house, we always say this thing. I, I'll ask my boys cause all we have is boys. Uh, all we have is boys. Listen to that. The only gender that we have in our home is boys. And, uh, I will ask them whenever I'm trying to correct them on something they're doing. And my, my seven year old is now old enough to catch into this and, and understands what I mean, but I'll ask him, Hey, am I raising boys here? And he'll say, no. And I'll say, what am I raising? And he'll say, you're raising men, right? I think that there is a definite need for men to be raising kids, to be raising young men and women. And I think that men's role, aside from being magical, is completely necessary. I think even if you're in a spot where you're raising kids and you don't have a dad at home, I think finding solid male role models for both boys and girls is still super, super important. But transitioning away from this, because I don't think probably most people are listening to this and thinking, well, I don't think dads are necessary at all. I think most people would recognize dads do play an important role. Um, But I want to kind of transition now into what the Bible says about raising kids in general. And this goes for fatherhood. It also goes for motherhood. It also goes for if you happen to be an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, or if you are connected to a church and you're trying to come alongside your parents in your church and and help them to raise their kids in godly ways. The most uh, clear and concise verse, I think, on parenting, maybe in the entire Bible, comes out of Proverbs. It's chapter 22, verse 6. The ESV version of it says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. As I was looking at this verse this week, uh, getting ready for this particular podcast, I I came to realize that there are two uh, different ways that people tend to translate the meaning of this verse. And what's interesting about that is that both of them, I think, are actually correct. Uh, Both of them are correct when it comes to what the the verse is really getting at. The first one kind of goes like this. When we say train up a child in the way he should go, what that means is we teach them the right things to do, right? To be to be proactive in teaching kids how to grow up to be successful, reasonable adults, right? Train up that child in the way that he should go. And then even when he is old, he will still remember the lessons that you've learned. And when I say he, of course, I mean he or she, but he or she will still learn the, or remember the lessons that they learned as a child and that they should be well-adjusted adults. I think that's correct. In our house, I can tell you this, and if you're at church on Sunday, these are going to be really familiar to you. I've used them as an illustration before, but in the Atherton house, when we found out we were having our first kid, um, I, I was very invested in the first one being a boy. I wanted to make sure that I had at least one boy, and then after that, we could have all girls, and that would be fine. Um, but we found out that it was a boy, and Lisa and I and my wife, we started talking about what things were important to us in raising our kids. What were the values that we wanted to instill? Well, obviously, we wanted him to love Jesus. Obviously, you know, we we wanted him to to be somebody who served others and, and all this. And, and we kind of ended up boiling everything down into three general character traits that we wanted in our young man. We wanted him to be strong, smart, and compassionate. We talk about being strong. We're not talking about, you know, being able to lift a car over your head. We're talking about, you know, will, a strong will, somebody who understands what is right and is able to stand strongly on the foundation of, of what is righteous, what is good, what is noble. We wanted them to be smart. We want our kids to be learners. We read all the time in our house. Um, and the reason is not because I love reading The Giving Tree 853 times in a row. The reason is because I want my kids to be learners. I want them to be kids who are willing to to pursue information in a world where I think more and more people are perfectly content accepting lies as truth. I want my kids to understand that you can find answers, you can study, and and I want them, in addition to being book smart, I want them to be wise. I was so blown away, my kid, this week alone, we were praying and we're trying to be better in our prayer life about asking God for things, but not uh, just our wish list, but you know, just like things that we think that God would want us to have. And one of the, I asked Titus, my oldest, I was like, Titus, what do you want to ask God for today? And he looks for a second, he goes, I want to ask for wisdom, which was like, as a parent, I was like, oh my gosh, we haven't completely screwed the kid up, right? But he wanted to ask for wisdom. We asked him why, and he said, because I want to be able to make the right choices. When we're talking about being strong and then being smart, the smart deals with, yes, being a learner, but also seeking genuine wisdom to be able to make good choices, good decisions. So the third one, we have strong, smart, and compassionate. We want them to love others. We want them to serve other people. We want them to consider other people's needs. Uh, at times, certainly, is higher than their own, which is something, again, that I don't think is taught particularly well by our culture today. And so we, as as parents, decided if we're going to train them up in the way they should go, and that means we're going to teach them the right things, 
We want our boys, by the time they're 18 and they're graduating, Lord willing, and leaving the house, uh, we want them to be strong, smart, compassionate men of God. And so that's kind of the things that we are approaching from there. But there's another way to look at this verse, this idea of train up a child. Uh, and I think it's probably the more correct translation uh, for the verse itself. When you say train up a child in the way he should go, another way of saying that, and what I think is maybe a better uh, uh, approach to it is this, train up a child in the way that they are bent, in the way that they are naturally bent. And so I guess kind of what that speaks to is a little bit of personality. If you are listening to this and you are one of multiple siblings, or if you're a parent and you have multiple children, you understand this statement to be true none of the kids in a family are alike, right? They may look alike, they may do some things similarly, but from a personality standpoint, from a needs and desire standpoint, from a likes standpoint, no two kids come out of a family the same. And it is staggering how different kids can be. I can tell you this, my two oldest are both kind of at the age now where they're displaying their own personalities. Uh, One of them, my, my oldest is is super, super outgoing and verbal and vocal, um, loves to be on stage, loves to present things, loves to be the one out in front of everybody, and and is, from my standpoint, that's kind of the way my brain operates, and I'm totally locked in with him when he does that stuff. I totally get where he's coming from, and I can counsel him and coach him and teach him and, and all of this. My My next son is he feels things on a deeper level than I think most people feel things. He is very emotional, but I don't mean that in the negative sense. I mean, he's super relational. And when other people hurt, he seems to hurt. He has a very high level of of what I would call natural compassion for people and for things. I think that he is somebody who um, gets nervous easily, where my older son is confident in certain areas. And yet... I think from a relational standpoint, he excels in feeling and and empathizing and connecting with people. He's a kid who, when he sits down next to you on the couch, he'll look at you and say, hey, put your arm around me. (laughs) Like He's a kid who wants that closeness and that connection. And so I look at that and like, I don't relate to that as well. Naturally, my wife does, but I don't. That's not a thing that I just naturally abound in. And so it's really easy for me to try to take Nico and to mold him into this thing that's more like Titus because I understand that. Because I get, you know, Titus kind of in that in that capacity more than I get Nico. But that's the wrong way to parent. When it says train up a child in the way that they are bent, it means to look at each kid as an individual because that's exactly what they are, right? And to take those kids as individuals, see their giftedness and their skill sets, and help them to find ways to be successful with that personality. And so where Titus maybe would love to grow up and be some sort of a lecturer or a teacher or something along those lines, maybe Nico, sorry, Nicodemus is his full name, we call him that at home sometimes, but maybe Nico grows up and he works in social work or uh, helps people recovering from addiction because he is more empathetic and he is more relational. And so we need to look at those kids and instead of trying to hammer out kids who look exactly the same, we need to, to lean into the way that the kids are bent naturally and help them to explore uh, what will make them successful with their traits, with their gifts. And you have to remember, it's just that. It's gifts. The personality of, of Nico is a gift from God. 
The personality of Titus is a gift from God. The personality of Augustine, my three-year-old right now, is just an absolute destroyer of all things, but is a gift from God. And so my job as a father is not to discipline kids into being something different, but it's trying to help them figure out how to be successful with the giftedness that God has given them. And so I think fathers, if you're listening, as we're celebrating Father's Day, I would challenge you to make sure that that's the way that you approach your kids. You know, here at the church, we use this thing called Orange Curriculum and they actually tell you uh, how long it is that you have with your kids left in the house. Uh, and so I'm pulling up. We have an app. It's called the Parent Q app. If you go to Aviator, I would encourage you to download this app. But I literally just pulled it up on my phone. Titus, my oldest, right now um, is 414 weeks old, according to this app, which means I have 527 weeks until he graduates and moves on and goes out of the house. Uh, with Nicodemus, I have 693 weeks, but I have a finite amount of time to shape these kids into the men that I want to see them become, right? And if you have daughters, to shape these girls into the women that you want to see them become, don't bang your head into a wall trying to change the personality that God has given them. Instead, try to understand them, the differences they have from you, the similarities, and try to help them and guide them in the way that they are bent in order to be successful in this life. I think that's about all I got because I usually try to keep these under 30 minutes so that you're not stuck listening to me for an hour. I reserve that right exclusively for people who listen to me at church on Sundays. Uh, Speaking of which, if you find yourself in the Derby area and you would like to check out our church, uh, we are at 200 West Greenway. We would love to see you. Check out our website, aviator.com, or excuse me, aviatorchurch.com. Don't go to aviator.com. I bet you they'll try to sell you glasses. Uh, Aviatorchurch.com. Check us out. We'd love to see you. And a reminder to everybody listening, as we start this back up, I would love to be answering questions from you guys. So please send any questions you have about God, the Bible, or life in general to Dave at aviatorchurch.com. Again, Dave at aviatorchurch.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you again next week, probably. All right, bye guys.